according to the Smithsonian archaeologists, excavating ancient Egyptian tombs have found something most unexpected amongst the tomb's artifacts. Pots of honey, thousands of years old, yet still preserved, unspoiled. An unmistakable testament to the eternal shelf life of honey. So what is it that makes honey such a special food? My name is Neville D'Angelo. My guest is Marty Huey. Hello and welcome to The Journey, your radio show, hosted by Neville D'Angelo, author of A Soundbite Life and Flight of the Fused Monkeys, a PRG Emerging Technologies Forum keynote speaker and founder of Rio Sports. I am Joseph Ellison. Enjoy! Mr. Marty Huey is a graduate of Louisiana Tech University. He has been working in the field of architecture for the past 25 years with a focus in healthcare for the past 18. His expertise is highlighted by a number of significant accomplishments. That includes a McGraw-Hill presenter and panelist on BIM in healthcare. He co-authored the BIM Revolution, published in Healthcare Facilities Management magazine, and co-authored What is BIM? A Revolution for Facilities, Teams, and the Bottom Line, published in Medical Journal Houston. Mr. He is also an NFPA Healthcare Committee member, where he has been serving since 2004. You'll find his Building Codes Clarified videos online at martyhuey.com. However, what brings us together today is another of his set of talents and passion. Honey. Sweet larceny, he calls it. Mr. Marty Huey is a beekeeper and honey producer. Today, we'll discover the secrets of honey. I am heading to the country club to meet Mr. Huey. Marty, well, welcome. I know you were talking to me about your bees. I got very interested in it. I thought the audience would love to learn about you, about why you uh, deal with bees and what bees are good for in our community. Can you just yes. tell us well, a Well, thank bit? you. Um, yeah, I find it very fascinating. I um, wanted to be more environmentally conscious of what I'm doing in this world, and having bees has always fascinated me, And but I've always been terrified of um, the harvesting piece, the harvesting piece is the most um, difficult um, way to get honey out and it's uh, it just takes a lot of care and caution you got to suit up you got to smoke the bees you got to have a lot of equipment and it's messy really really messy and um, so that was what was holding me back from doing it for so long um, 
I came across a, a friend, actually a co-worker, another environmentally conscious person in my office, mm -hmm. um, saw a um, crowdfunding project called Flow Frames, mm -hmm. uh, or Flow High, Flow Frame, to father and son in Australia that um, developed a very unique way of harvesting the honey. Mm -hmm. and made it very, very simple for um, most people to do the flow frame. So that's actually what started uh, me in thinking about I could do this. And that was probably uh, 15 months ago. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how new I am into this. Mm -hmm. uh, literally March 12th of 2016 is when I installed my first, what is called as a nuke, a nucleus. It's called a nuke, N-U-C, um, and that's a small colony into my side of my house, in my yard. And so I'm not into it quite one year yet, and my girls um, are doing fantastic. I mean, I call them girls um, because 99% of all the bees in a hive are female. Mm. Um, the drones, the males, uh, d uh, don't have stingers. Mm -hmm. They don't bite, they don't oh. sting, they don't do anything. Um, they, they have no way of really defending themselves. It is only the female bees that actually have a stinger on mm. them. And they, um, they don't bite, they sting. Right. And, um, um, they, um, and it's a defense mechanism is all it is. Mm -hmm. And when they sting, the stinger is left in the body and mm. their intestines are pulled out when they pull the stinger out. So they're dying within moments after they sting you. Mm. Um, so it's strictly a defense mechanism. Um, they've gotten scared or you've bothered them or they're terrified of you. So. Mm -hmm. Now I noticed you, you said that you wanted to be, you're environmentally friendly, you want to be environmentally conscious and that's why you went to bees. But what's the connection between being an environmentalist or environmentally friendly and choosing bees as a way to um, well, harvest. well, bee, um, bees are you know pollinate the earth. Einstein said, um, and it's been proven false, but it's still something that a lot of people remember and hear. Mm -hmm. If bees disappeared from the face of the earth, um, humanity would have six years to live. <laughs> um, that's been proven wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, we would not have as good of a diet as we do now, mm. but we certainly could survive. It would not be well. Mm. Uh, so adding back to the, uh, the environment by having bees more around, especially mm. in an urban environment. I live in a major urban environment and you know, with urban sprawl and like it is, there's not many bees within the city limits or an urban environment. Mm -hmm. So adding adding that little bit of extra help for pollination mm -hmm. of the earth around us seems to be um, part of the environmental piece that I feel like I'm adding back to the community. So where did you get these bees from? Where did they come from? This well, time? mine, actually, they, you, can, you can actually, uh, now that I know this, <laughs> um, I could set up what is known as a swarm box. Mm -hmm. And that with swarm lure inside, and swarm lure is um, uh, tea tree oil, mm -hmm. and that draws bees to a location. And mm -hmm. you got to have a right environment. You got to—it's got to be a small box. It's got to be dark. It's got to not have any odor in it, other than maybe the tea tree oil. Mm -hmm. And when springtime comes, and that's when bees sort of split. And when they split, mm -hmm. it's—it's um, it's how they create. Uh, 
they rep replicate. Yes, they lay eggs and replicate, but mm -hmm. they also create a new queen, and then the colony splits, and mm -hmm. that's what's known as a swarm. Mm -hmm. And that swarm has got to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. Well, the scouts are going out trying to find an appropriate home, and that would be a new box of swarm lure. Well, mm -hmm. now that I know that, if I want to grow my hive, I would put out some swarm boxes or swarm lures. But mine actually came from Austin, Texas, mm -hmm. and I ordered mine in December of 2015, actually October of 2015, and got them March 12, 2016. Mm -hmm. There's a backlog, and I wanted to make sure my bees were not Africanized bees. Mm -hmm. uh, they were calm, and um, it's a European bee. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contradict myself in a statement right now is that the honeybee as we know it today in the Americas were in, um, introduced to the Americas in uh, uh, 19, 19 um, I want to say 1920, no, excuse me, not 1920, Eight, in the early 18th, 18th century is when the um, honeybee as we know it today was introduced. Mm -hmm. uh, that came from Europe. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, the Europeans wanted to pollinate certain types of vegetables, and that's why they brought the honeybee over. Mm -hmm. And it's a um, an Italian queen is what I've got. Mm -hmm. And um, they're known for being calm, uh, being um, good producers, laying eggs, mm -hmm. and being able to groom themselves and take care of themselves to... Uh, fight against the varroa mite. The varroa mite is one of the things that is very detrimental to the honeybee. It's a, it's a little tick type bug that attaches themselves to the bee and um, drains, uh, eats, it basically demobilizes them over time mm -hmm. and they eventually die and that's what is known as um, a hive collapse or mm -hmm. it's help killing it's one of the many things that potentially help killing the bees and the varroa mite came from Asia mm -hmm. so it's you know this world is not as big as we think it is it's very small mm -hmm. and um, these mites somehow traveled got um, came into the Americas in about 1950 1960 and mm -hmm. it spread that rapidly mm. across the Americas. Mm -hmm. so. Now you mentioned concern about the Africa, Africanized bees. Tell me about those. Why are, why are they dangerous? What are they? How are they different? Well, I mean, they are very good honey producers. I mean, they oh, are really? some of the, uh, among the best honey producers out there, mm -hmm. but they don't like noise, they mm -hmm. don't like stress, and they sting in groups, mm -hmm. and they go after um, people go after noise. I, I literally, um, this past summer, mowed the grass around my hive in short pants and a t-shirt and nothing else, and my bees were okay. Mm -hmm. An Africanized bee, you probably couldn't have a lawnmower running within 50, 60 feet of it, or they're <laughs> going to go sting something close to it <laughs> to shut it up. Right. Uh. Um, that, that's the big thing. It's just, it's, it's, um, it's, they're a lot more aggressive, but they produce quite a bit more honey than the Italian queen. So mm -hmm. if we could, you know, just like with all of us, we all add value to this earth mm -hmm. in different aspects. Mm -hmm. And we 
we, we need to learn to um, adapt to le learning from each other. That's just like the, the different bees. There's Russian bees. The mm -hmm. Russian bees are great also, but they're a little bit more aggressive, and they're okay with the cold. The mm -hmm. Italian doesn't like the cold very much, but they produce a lot of honey. Mm -hmm. So each one of these, just like we are, um, uh, of where different parts of the world, the humanity and bees are similar in a lot of aspects and they have learned to adapt to that environment. Mm -hmm. And that's why the African bee didn't have the noise, maybe, didn't have, um, they had to fly a lot further um, to gather their nectar as opposed to, you know, southern Europe and the U.S. where um, the foliage was a lot more. Mm -hmm. We don't know why, but they're just a little bit more aggressive. Well, I, I say a little bit more. I mean, the, everybody's terrified of them, and I would be scared of them. Mm -hmm. With mine, I can take my glove, and I was told to check out any new colony that I get mm -hmm. by putting my glove on, definitely being in a veil, mm -hmm. and taking my hand and almost slamming it toward the bees, but stopping it just a few inches from the bees about five times. Mm -hmm. And if the bees don't try to attack my hand, they're, they're considered calm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like you're almost going ready to slap somebody, but you, you don't <laughs> slap them within, you know, you just get real close. If they don't flinch, you know, they trust you, and that's what mine. I can do that, and mine don't even bother. The, the, the air is definitely hitting them, because mm -hmm. I, I can see things flutter, but they're not concerned. Mm -hmm. And if it was Africanized, it'd be all over my, all over my hand. Well, I'll be back with Mr. Marty Huey to talk more about bees. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions. And we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books, A Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again, all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I'm back with Mr. Marty Huey, our hobbyist beekeeper. You were talking about flow frames. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, when I, um, we'll back up just a tad. Mm -hmm. um, beekeeping, you always should wear a suit and you need to go into your hive probably um, once every 10 days or so to make sure the queen is laying eggs appropriately. If there's anything disturbing them, um, you want to see that your queen is um, laying a good pattern. Mm -hmm. So you have to go into your hive um, to take a look at whether your queen is laying a good pattern. And we can go into that later maybe, but the, um, if uh, the queen has no ability to do anything other than lay eggs. Mm -hmm. She mates typically one time in her life. Mm -hmm. She leaves the hive. She will go out and mate with between five and eight males, mm -hmm. and she will not leave the hive for four or five years, and all she does is lay eggs. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know how to groom herself. She mm -hmm. doesn't know how to remove her feces. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know how to feed herself. She does nothing but lay eggs. Mm -hmm. um, she can lay up to a thousand eggs a day mm -hmm. and uh, in order to keep the hive going. My hive right now probably has... Uh, 60, 70,000 bees in it. Mm. And a bee only lives 41 days. Mm. It takes um, um, 
about 20 days from the time the queen lays the egg until it hatches out. Mm -hmm. And then once it hatches out, it, it <coughs> spends the next 19 days crawling around the hive, taking care of the other larvae, taking care of the queen, mm -hmm. and then on day 2021, the bee will fly out to start getting pollen and nectar and bringing it back and it lives for only another 20 days, 19 days, and then it dies. It basically works itself to death. So, to get back to the flow frames, mm -hmm. you have to suit up and you have to go into the hive every 10 days or so. And mm -hmm. then when you go to harvest, let's not talk flow frames, let's talk just normal harvest. Mm -hmm. So what I said earlier about scaring me mm -hmm. is you have to suit up, mm -hmm. you have to open up the hive, mm -hmm. so that's standard. Now we have to take each frame out that has possible honey on it, brush all the bees off, smoke the hive, and smoking basically disrupts the um, orientation of the bees. Mm -hmm. And so they try to stay near the queen, protect her, and you brush the bees, um, the bees off the frame, you put them in another box, so you've you're got to remove every frame out of the box, mm -hmm. close the bees back up, take that box with all the frames in it mm -hmm. to a shed. Then you've got to take a hot wax knife. Mm -hmm. You have to carve the cappings off to expose the honey. Then you put all those frames in what is known as a centrifuge. Mm -hmm. Then the centrifuge has to spin. Mm -hmm. It spins the honey out, drops down to the bottom, goes into a bucket. Naturally, there's gonna be some larvae possibly in there, some other dead bees in there. Um, there's a lot of um, wax in there and mm -hmm. that's fallen into the bucket. Mm -hmm. Then you've got to strain it out, mm -hmm. strain it out again, mm -hmm. and then, um, then bottle it. Mm -hmm. So that's the process. Then after you do all that, then you've got to take the frames back out to the bee, suit up again, put the um, frames back into where the bees are. Mm -hmm. You're killing a lot of bees doing this. You're disrupting their life. They're, you're... you're, you're you're scaring them. Mm -hmm. So that's the standard way. Mm -hmm. So nothing about inspection has changed. You still need to do the inspections, mm -hmm. but with the flow frames, mm -hmm. I go to harvest. Mm -hmm. I literally um, can go to the back side of my hive, mm -hmm. put a key in the top, mm -hmm. put a little funnel in the bottom, and turn a crank, and the honey just starts flowing out mm -hmm. into a tube. Mm. I, I've done it in shorts. I, it's, the bees are still walking around on the hive. I have not taken the frames out of the hive. Mm. The bees know something's going on, but they're not mm. disturbed. They're not damaged. Mm. And that's what the father and son in Australia has invented. Uh, and it's really working well. Mm -hmm. and they tried to get it on Kickstarter. Kickstarter told them no for some reason. Mm -hmm. It went on Indiegogo, and it just exploded. Mm -hmm. um, all they were trying to do is get $75,000 so they could go into manufacturing of this and um, in less than 30 days they raised $12.8 million wow. and um, they are now uh, speaking all over the world. Um, they won innovation of the World Innovation of the Year Award on, on a, uh, their type product that mm -hmm. they were in. So I mean it really is, it allowed me not to have to buy a centrifuge. It allowed me not to have to buy all the filtering equipment. I'm able to bottle my honey sitting on the back of my hive without any problem at all. Mm. Well, let's talk about honey. Now, there's something that you know very well because you're a honey keeper, but um, 
is, may not be clear to many of us. Where is this honey coming from? We know that there's bees. What, so who is giving us the honey? How? So, what? So I, 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 found, right. I, I ride a motorcycle a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and just, that, that's, just that's, a, that's a side note to where I was coming, going to this. Mm-hmm. And I stop at little farmer's markets all around the U.S. Mm-hmm. And there's this one farmer's market, I can't, or this one little shop. I can't remember where it was, northwest Arkansas, northeast Arkansas. And I walked in, and they were selling honey. Mm-hmm. And their name of their honey was Bee Snot. <laughs> okay, and really, that's what it is. Really, that's truly what it is. The bees take, they they go out to the different plants. Mm-hmm. They get the pollen, mm-hmm. the nectar. That's mm-hmm. the if you have ever looked at um, uh, a plant and you see uh, it looks like it's wet and it's mm-hmm. not really rainy out. Mm-hmm. That's that's sugar. That, mm-hmm. That's a type of sugar that that's what the bees are t- pulling mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. and they take it back to the hive. Mm-hmm. The bee actually meets another bee inside. Mm-hmm. That's one of the bees that are less than 20 days old. Mm-hmm. They meet one of them and they regurgitate it back to each other. Mm-hmm. And then that bee takes it to one of the cells and deposit the, deposits that into a cell. So they actually ingest it, mm-hmm. regurgitate it to another bee, mm-hmm. and then that bee regurgitates it to a cell. No. So it's basically bee snot, um, <laughs> and um, and I thought it was a very cool name at the same time, but it really gave a lot of insight to what it is, uh-huh. and that's why um, uh, the bees going out to the pollen um, and getting that. That's why eating honey is very good for you. It really just you don't have to eat a lot of it. Just even a tablespoon a day, mm-hmm. a teaspoon a day. Um, will help with allergies because it's just like um, an antibiotic or just like some you know you're you're getting a flu shot mm-hmm. it's they're feeding a little bit of the flu to you mm-hmm. in order for your body to build up immunity to it so you don't get it mm-hmm. you're building giving a little bit of pollen to you so that your body builds up an immunity to it so you're not now not allergic to ragweed you're now not allergic to um, 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 oak or whatever it may be mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. that's why Consuming honey, small quantities, mm-hmm. is very good for you. And one side, say note, side note of that, you should never feed honey to an, uh, a child under one year old. Because mm-hmm. there's so much different bacteria in it from the bees and the pollen. We don't know what young children are allergic to. Mm-hmm. So it'd be very cautious about feeding it to any child under one. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that honey is a good um, antibiotic, for want of a better word, to allergies. Um, uh, but uh, obviously these bees are going for certain type of pollens or they just take whatever pollen is in the area? They go after what they can find. Mm-hmm. They go after anything they can find. It, yes, um, just like us, mm-hmm. you know, if, if all we had to eat was popcorn, that's all we're going to have. Mm-hmm. But as we are become aware of our diet, we know we need greens. We know we need certain types of food in order to make our our, um, um, lives healthier. So that's part of the issue with being an urban beekeeper, Mm -hmm. is there's not much source for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I do feed my bees. I do help them um, with certain types of uh, natural products Mm -hmm. that they can uh, help themselves have better health in their lives. Mm-hmm. And what so, are, where are these natural products coming from? They're just 
pollens pull, to tell me it's about actually it. not pollen it's um, different types of sugars mm -hmm. that we know that they that they like mm -hmm. um, that will help them and you only feed it to them when it's not during a honey flow mm -hmm. and a honey flow is when we're thinking we're gonna be harvesting honey mm -hmm. during that period of time that the bees are storing their honey we don't want to feed this stuff to the bees because we want the consumer, we want us to only have what is natural to the bees mm -hmm. and what is natural to the community. Mm -hmm. So somebody doesn't want to buy my honey mm -hmm. knowing it has or thinking it might have a product in there that I was feeding my bees mm -hmm. to help them stay healthier. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I use essential oils. Mm -hmm. um, a, lot of, a lot of beekeepers um, to help kill the varroa mites mm -hmm. um, use an acid. Mm -hmm. They put uh, it's an acid vaporizer, and mm -hmm. they put this acid vaporizer mm -hmm. into the hive. They close it up, mm -hmm. and it kills all the varroa mites, mm -hmm. but it also kills a lot of bees. Mm -hmm. And um, but you know it's like a cancer. You mm -hmm. know that when we treat cancer with chemotherapy, what are we doing? We're we're, we're trying to kill the cancer without killing the host, the body, <laughs> you know, and that, that's basically, so we're doing, a lot of beekeepers are doing the same thing with this uh, acid, is they're trying to kill all the, they're killing all the varroa mites without hurting the bees, so, so there's a fine line there, mm -hmm. so you can't use that stuff, mm -hmm. absolutely can't use that stuff when you've got a honey flow going on. Mm -hmm. um, I use essential oils, mm -hmm. so I could use the essential oils all year round and it's not going to hurt the bees mm -hmm. and it's not going to hurt the humans because we're consuming mm -hmm. it also um, in, in a different parts of the environment. But I try to use that year, not year round when I got, I don't do it when I got a honey flow, mm -hmm. but I use it in the winter time and I use it in the late fall when we don't have a honey flow going on and a, um, Ken, um, a beekeeper at his, he has a Little Creek Bee Ranch in Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I've gone up there to take classes from him. He's gotten recipes from an old man out of South Carolina that passed away, and he used to work at the, a university um, either in Alabama or South Carolina uh, on research on how essential oils work. And um, the guy's now passed away, but Ken's got his handwritten recipes that he used, mm -hmm. and he's te he teaches classes, and that's where I went and took the classes on how to not have to use chemicals with my bees mm -hmm. in order to help them survive winter, not have what is known as a hive collapse, killing varroa mites, but making the bees get fatter. Mm. So. Well, you give me a bottle of your honey, which I said... Um, to you, told you before was was very, not only very tasty, um, but uh, you made me acquainted with the fact that it would help me with my allergies. But you also mentioned that uh, there's a lot of fake honey out there. Oh so yes, tell me about oh absolutely. Um, that's that's one of the things that baffled me. Texas Beekeeping Association. You can go to TexasBeekeepingAssociation.org. I believe that's what it is. Um, they have at the bottom of their web page they have a thing called a honey locator. Mm -hmm. So. You can type in your zip code and it will give you my address. If you're close to me, it will give you somebody else's address and telephone number so it tells you where to buy honey. But there's also information on there about fake honey. Most honey, 75% of most honey sold in big box stores. Maybe the health stores don't have it, but the bigger box stores, 75% of that honey is honey syrup. Hmm. It, and, Hasn't, and, and that word syrup... Mm -hmm. 
means it's not real honey. You got to look on the back of it. Texas is very proud of themselves of not having regulations. I applaud Texas for not having regulations, but some regulations are important. Mm -hmm. So the word raw in Texas means nothing. Mm. The word local means nothing. It could be coming from China and they're still legally allowed to put the word local honey mm. on their label. Mm. So it can be coming from a contaminated area in China and you, you would not know that mm. by even putting the word um, uh, by reading the word local because right. they just they could you would just assume. Put, I would assume. I assumed. Right. Also the word raw, unheated. You don't you don't want your honey heated. Mm -hmm. uh, the hive, which is very unique, mm -hmm. is I don't care if there is five feet of snow above the hive, mm -hmm. all around the hive. Mm -hmm. uh, the hive will stay at 93 degrees year round. The bees mm -hmm. know how to dislocate their wings from flying mm -hmm. and they rub them together with friction, mm. creating the heat that's needed to keep the queen and the other bees alive. So that hive will stay at 93 degrees minimum year round. So that's why when we go to harvest honey, the honey <coughs> slowly flows out of the frame or comes out of the hive because it is, as you heat it up, it becomes more liquid and it's become more cold, it becomes more dense or more solid. Mm -hmm. And um, so what is, what's happening with um, the different honeys, they're heated up mm -hmm. and they're boiled so that they can mix um, syrups, they mm -hmm. can mix sugars, they can mix cornstarch corn in there to get a thicker honey. Mm -hmm. Honey is not a uniform color. So when you go to the grocery store and you're looking at all this honey and it's all uniform color, there's something fake there. Mm -hmm. Because just I harvested twice out of the same uh, my same hive and literally my honey was two, so totally two different colors I was surprised. One was almost a um, a urine yellow. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how yellow clear mm -hmm. it was. And the other one looked like crude oil. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was that dramatic of a difference of the same neighborhood, but just different parts of the year. I send, I, doing this as a hobby, I, I, I use the definition of a hobby as a big black hole that I throw money into it <laughs> and, and, and never expecting to really get Mm. recoup you know a boat is a mm. is a is a mm. hobby i mean mm. you're throwing money into a boat all the time you're really not getting anything out of it other than enjoyment mm -hmm. you know and that's what i get out of this i sit by my hive and and watch it but with um i send my honey off to austin texas to get it tested to see what pollen is in it and that's mm. how i go why is this so much darker well it had a lot more elm in it mm. and it had a lot more sunflower in it Mm. Uh, when I um, when I was um, uh, my first batch had a lot of crepe myrtle in it. Mm. Crepe myrtle mm. has two different types of pollen on the on the on the um, on the tree. Mm. It mm. had one crepe one pollen is to help pollinate the crepe myrtle, mm -hmm. but the bees don't like that. Mm. The bees don't like that pollen. Mm -hmm. So over time. Mm -hmm. The the crepe myrtle developed, and this is centuries, mm -hmm. thousands of years, developed another pollen that the bees liked. So <laughs> the bees go to it, and inadvertently they're picking up the pollen that helps mm -hmm. them pollinate themselves to another bush. <laughs> Even the trees are smart, aren't they? <laughs> yes. So I mean, they've learned. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 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 um, um, uh, how how evolution has happened, how things mm -hmm. have happened. 
over time in mm -hmm. order for a different plant species, trees, mm -hmm. bees, mm -hmm. to to um, you know to uh, uh, help their cells flourish. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have to have a lot of space to be able to, if you want to have a hive in your place? What what do you have to have essentially before you go out and start getting? Um, well, every state and every city um, has. Some, may have some regulations. Mm -hmm. Right now, the city of Dallas, Texas, um, has only nuisance laws, nu nuisance issues. Uh -huh. So if my neighbors said it was a nuisance um, to them, I, they, I don't know how much they'd have to prove, but they could have me remove it. Now, I live in an urban area. Mm -hmm. um, we have, we're, uh, Neville and I are sitting in a room here. In the Village Country Club. Uh, which is probably... Um, you know, um, 20 feet across. My house mm -hmm. literally sets between this wall and that wall from my other neighbor, and mm -hmm. I have an eight-foot-high fence. Mm -hmm. What's unique about bees is bees don't fly a lot of up and down. Mm -hmm. They fly directly to their pollen source, or and then they go down to the pollen source and get the pollen. Mm -hmm. They get back to altitude when they want to come back to the, um, to the hive and fly until they get to the hive, and they fly down. So the thought and what I was told as practice is have a high fence around your neighborhood or have a high fence around your hive mm -hmm. and the bees will fly at altitude. They'll fly up to the high of the fence, fly over your neighbor's heads until they get to their pollen source and then they go down. Mm -hmm. So if you have a high fence, the bees are flying just over your neighbor's heads without them ever knowing. Mm -hmm. So having said all that, mm -hmm. um, this past late spring, when I did my first harvest, mm -hmm. I bottled it all up, packaged it up as nice, went over to my neighbor's house, and I had it in my pocket, didn't, didn't let them see it, and I asked them, I said, um, um, are y'all, have y'all, are y'all frightened of bees? Oh, no, no, we, we, we need actually, need, we need more bees around, because we need things to be pollinated. The bees are dying. I said, oh, okay. And I said, have you seen any more or less bees around here? I said, they said, well, actually, we think we've been seeing less and less bees. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. I said, well, I got something to show you. Mm -hmm. And I pulled out my bottle of honey. I gave, handed it to him. He says, what's this? I said, well, this is from my beehives just over the fence here. Mm -hmm. And they, were they went giddy. They were happy. <laughs> they were excited. They actually wanted to go over, and I've gotten phone calls from them. From, mm -hmm. They've had dinner guests come over, and they, mm -hmm. said, and they want the dinner guests to see it. So, I mean, they're real excited about it. Most of my, all my neighbors are excited about it. I have one neighbor that's actually five houses down mm -hmm. that's terrified and a little concerned, but, mm -hmm. you know, I, there's no way my bees... He, he could pull up... He could say, these are my bees versus someone else's bees. This is lovely. It's lovely information. I, I'd like to make a sidetrack, if you don't mind, because you mentioned that you do a lot of motorcycle riding. Um, is this a hobby of yours, or you travel travel a lot? You want to tell us anything about that? Or? I um, it's it's a hobby, um, mm. just like you know beekeeping. Beaker, right. um, beekeeping, you know, it requires a um, um, attention every ten days or so, or <laughs> or every thirty, depending on what it is. So it. Being get on motorcycle, I'm able to do that. I have gotten on my motorcycle. Um, I've uh, I've taken uh, my first trip. I'm along. I've taken a lot of day trips. Sorry, mm -hmm. I'm getting sidetracked. I've taken a lot of day trips and weekend trips, but I've traveled um, on a 10-day trip out to Southern California, mm -hmm. um, up the California coast, and then down the loneliest highway in America. 
um, Highway 50. Mm -hmm. um, it's 100, 100 plus miles between gas stations mm -hmm. on that mm -hmm. lonely desert highway. Mm -hmm. um, I've traveled to Newfoundland, Key West, DC. Uh, late 2015, October, I rode up to north of Winnipeg because I wanted to see the, I, and camped out, I wanted to see the Northern Lights. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be a, um, a new moon, meaning it was totally pitch black dark. It had rained three, two days before, so the humidity was low. There was no clouds around. I got some great photographs of the Northern Lights, um, and then I, I rode back. So. No, is this a part of a club or you do some of no, your own? It's just, just me. I have a, a BMW GSA, oh. um, a GS, and then the word A is the word adventure. Mm. Uh, it's a pretty good sized bike. It's mm. made for on road, off road. It's like, I, I, I tell everybody, it's like a Jeep uh, on a motorcycle. <laughs> you, you have, you know, you've got Ferraris, right, you right, know, right. a really high end race car Ferrari, mm. and you've got a pickup truck. Mm -hmm. So this is somewhere in between just a pickup truck. This is meant to go on-road or off-road. So it's quite, it's, I camp or stay in a hotel, whichever is most convenient at the mm -hmm. time. So. What is it like traveling, um, you know, that lonely highway? Just, uh, is it, is it more meditative, scary? Yes. No. Or? Well, actually, my, fir my first, I've, uh, a few trips, my fir few first trips I did, I did with a good buddy of mine. And um, he's since passed away for you know other other reasons, um, not motorcycle related. I have to emphasize that. <laughs> but um, he, um, it was scary. I you know, I was just panicking leaving Dallas, and uh, but we rode out to California, and thirty minutes, forty five minutes onto the road, it just like all let go, and it was like, you know, there's no one to talk to. You, uh, you're traveling with another motorcyclist. Really, there's not much communication going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, now we have headsets that we're able to talk back and forth, but there, it's still not like sitting beside someone. Mm -hmm. So it's really like, I want to say it's almost like hiking, mm -hmm. uh, camping. You're out in the woods. Um, you only have you only have your soul to deal with, mm -hmm. and you only have your your person to talk to. Mm -hmm. So, my father says you. Hey, 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 I'll, I'll ask him, my father has passed away, but uh, he used to say, I've got to talk to myself occasionally. It's the only person that understands me. <laughs> I, like I, like, I like that. Uh, well, uh, Mr. Huey, I really am grateful that you were willing to share your uh, bee honey experience, your ongoing bee honey experience with, with us, and um, your willingness to teach us how healthy and it is for the environment and for us individually. Yeah. All right. I hope that um, if you want your honey uh, adventure to be just a hobby that it's worth, but if you want it to be a business that it becomes a roaring business as, as well. All Thank right. You. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. All right. Great. Good. Thanks. So what makes bees so magical and honey so eternal? I recommend you review an article by Natasha Gelling of the Smithsonian Institute. It's called The Science Behind Honey's Eternal Shelf Life. It's fascinating. It turns out that there are a slew of factors that work perfectly in harmony to get this ticky little treat to last forever. Now, it is true that salt, sugar, dried rice, 
They also last a long time, but honey has proven not only a better longevity, but it remains healthy and edible even after a thousand years as if it were just made or put together the day before. The secret is in its alchemy. The executive director of the Honey and Pollination Center at the Robert Mondavi Institute at the University of California, Davis, points out a few factors. Natural honey is of low moisture. Very few bacteria and microorganisms can survive in that kind of environment. They are essentially smothered to death in it. For honey to spoil, it needs to have something in it that can spoil. But the best part of its secret? The bees. The magic is with the bees. The Journey is available free on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Rio Sports Radio, and several of your favorite internet platforms. Download, embed, and share via any of the social media you love. Perhaps you'll remember this. The next time someone calls you honey, they don't just mean you are sweet. Sweet larceny. See you next week.